Hello, welcome back to Podular Modcast. I would like to thank Patchwork Seattle, our lovely synth shop here in the Northwest, for their continued support of the show. Please visit them at patchworks.com, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com, or you can go visit their new site, their new shop, in the Wallingford neighborhood of Seattle, on Stone Street, Stoneway, excuse me. And while you're there, you can look at this gargantuan, beautiful Needham Woodworks case. And inside of that Needham Woodworks case is a whole row of after later audio modules. Look at that. The three longtime supporters of the show all together in perfect harmony. The only missing piece is you. Go visit them. Patchworks.com, NeedhamWoodworks.com, AfterLaterAudio.com. Hello and welcome back to Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held, and this week we have LaFrey Ski, a.k.a. Frey Frey, daughter of Drexia, on the show. Uh, we have a lot to talk about with Frey Frey here. Um, she's the executive director and d- director of artistic programming over at the Willie Mae Rock Camp for Girls. Um, it's, I don't know, I, I don't even want to tell you any more than that because I'm going to let her tell you all about it because it's 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 fantastic story and um we're also going to talk about uh drexia stuff she's going to kind of explain this explain it to us if you're not aware then buckle up this is this is a really fun episode i've been waiting to talk to frey frey for a while and uh yeah just really excited to share this with you but before we get to that I want to tell you about this uh, this new album that came out on Bandcamp. It's a compilation album from um, my friends at Basement State. Uh, Basement State is a collective slash re- uh, record label based out of Seattle, um, and it's you know it's it's made up of amazing artists. Uh, this track is from former, um, aka Brian Barrett. What's up, Brian? Hope you're hope you're well. Um, yeah, it's just got it's it's a, I got the cassette the other day. Um, it looks like the cassettes are sold out, but the digital album is limitless. Uh, so I, I suggest you go and check that out and just keep up with what they're doing. They do uh, they do live events here in Seattle. They do live streams, and I think this is the first of what is going to be um, many releases of just awesome collections of more upbeat uh, rhythm based stuff here. So yeah, go check go check it out. Link in the show description. In other news, if you're in the San Francisco area on September 9th around 8 p.m. and you're vaccinated or COVID-free and you have proof of this, you can go check out the Left Coast Lights Eclectic Trips Festival. I'll put a link in the show description there. Lots of great artists, lots of familiar names there. We've got uh, Electric Kitchen, Malarkey, Kizzle, Musical Fungus, Alpha Stare, what's up, Jeff, and Frank Martin. And we have uh, video performances by Fetz and Dirty Bill. So once again, we have the link in the show description. Um, if you're feeling like being social, go check it out. 
I want to give a huge thank you to Jason over at Flavor Wave Synth Accessories. If you're not familiar with Flavor Wave Synth Accessories, uh, go check them out on Instagram. Um, he just sent me out of nowhere, just said, hey, what's your address? I want to send you a little something. And I said, okay. And I gave him my address and this awesome uh, cable hanger came. It's like this purple acrylic cable hanger that has uh, the PodMod logo laser etched in on it. And even on the top, it has the show's tagline that I haven't used in a long time. It kind of reminded me that I used it. It's uh, Podular Modcast, staring into the depths of modular synthesis and the hopes that it stares back. So, so cool that he took the time to make this. Um, and he also included a uh, an acrylic red uh, uh, ruler that has the, uh, that it's an HP ruler. So you can like put it up to your modules or your blank spaces to see uh, how much HP you uh, you need to take up or whatever. It, it's, I just feel like it has a lot of uses. I'm, I'm glad to have it. Um, so yes, thank you, Jason, over at Flavor Wave. Check out uh, on my Instagram. I posted a video of the cable hanger, but go give them a follow. It's affordable, really cool, personalized gear. Check it out. Okay, one more thing I want to talk about here is the Patreon. I'm going to be straight with you. I want to grow this thing, but I need your help. I want this to be uh, a community. I want this to be a... Um, you know, a group effort. So what do you want to see for bonus material? If you're not a Patreon subscriber, or maybe you are, and uh, you're just, you know, you're just there to show support, but you're thinking to yourself, ah, I, I could go for some cool exclusive content. Do you want extended interviews with the guests? Do you want deep dives on modules that I'm doing demos of on the show? Do you want me to just, you know, anything? It's, let's, let's, let's figure it out some videos maybe i could do like a a video tour of of the new patchworks that could be kind of fun you know so uh hit me up on the instagram or gmail podmodcast at gmail.com um because yeah i think um i think i think we can we can grow this and i don't think i i talk about it enough because i'm bad at it but I just really, really appreciate your support there. If, if you are helping out now, if you have helped out in the past but couldn't afford it anymore or, you know, just felt like you were, you know, doing your part for a little bit, I really appreciate that. And if you're thinking about subscribing and then, like, you only remember when I bring it up because I've had that happen where I've listened to shows and I'm like, I'm going to support them on Patreon. And then I only think that when they're talking about it and then I forget. Right now, push pause. Jump on. The, the app's really fun. Um, I, I actually get a bunch of exclusive content from a couple podcasts that I listen to and support on Patreon. I get bonus episodes and bonus videos and stuff, and the app is actually pretty pretty great. Um, and that's, I'm, I mean, Patreon's not, like, telling me to say this or anything. I'm just, I'm genu I genuinely feel that way. Anyways, if you want to keep the LEDs blinking over here at PodMod, please please head over to patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. It would mean a whole heck of a lot to me. Um, and hit me up with those ideas for exclusive content. And one more thing I want to tell you about that I'm actually not going to tell you about. It's just I'm going to tell you that I'm going to tell you about something. This month, we are going to be announcing something that I've been teasing for a long time. And if you're a Patreon subscriber, you probably already know what I'm talking about. I want to tell you so bad. I'm looking at it right now. There's a clue. Keep an eye out. September 20th, I'm going to be making a huge announcement that I'm so, so freaking excited about. I just said freaking. I'm so freaking excited about it that I said freaking because I, I figured if I said I'm so fucking excited about it, that sounds a little aggressive. 
but I don't know. Who knows, man? What's, what's, what is even the world these days? I am clearly rambling. Let's get into this chat with Lafreyski, a.k.a. Frey Frey, daughter of Drexia. Cool. Well, Lafrey, Frey Frey. Yes, yes. So happy to Tim. finally have you on the show. I feel like I kind of know you already, even though we've never really talked. We've messaged quite a bit, and we've been planning yeah. this for a while. Um, and I'm, I'm certainly very, uh, very into keeping up what you're up to through the social medias and stuff. And it seems like you've got a heck of a lot going on. There's a um, lot going on. Yeah, and I, you're, you're one of those guests where I'm, I think to myself beforehand, how are we going to get to everything in an hour's conversation? Um, but I think, I think we got it. Um, but I kind of want right. to just like get to know you personally first for a okay. bit. Did you grow up in New York? I did not. Okay. Uh, my father is, it was in the military. He's a okay. retired colonel. Uh, so I grew up partially in, I was born in Okinawa, Japan. Oh. And uh, my dad was stationed there. And I lived in Japan for eight years. My mother's family is from southern Georgia, north Florida. So I spent all summers with my grandmother. And my father's last place to be stationed was Dayton, Ohio. Okay. Right, Patterson Air Force Base. They still live there, but we are not from there. Okay. But I spent a lot of years in Ohio, but my father's in Queens. Okay. So. Okay, so you've kind of got like roots laid down in a lot of different places. Yeah, and lots of traveling. Yeah. Definitely. So as as an army kid, if you're born Air Force. or Air Force, if you're yes. if you're born in another country, do you get dual citizenship? Yes, I had dual citizenship um, until I was 18. Oh, okay. But it was kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. 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 Did you, so you, did you re-up on it? Uh, you know, I just, I I went with uh, USA. Yeah, yeah. Just, it kind of <laughs> didn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right on. Okay, so when does, um, when and how does music come in? Because you're a drummer, uh, the, you're a synthesist, you do all sorts of stuff, right? Yeah, I, I would call myself, honestly, a composer first. Okay. I write for a lot of instruments. Uh, my, honestly, uh, I, I do believe, and I, I, t I have a workshop that I've been teaching um, about the power of the blues mm -hmm. for probably about 10 years. Okay. And the rhythm of the blues is the heartbeat. And it is my theory that the popularity of of the music and the rhythm of the shuffle is related to uh, being in utero for nine months and listening to our mother's heartbeats. And huh. so like that's that. where the rhythm starts. Okay. And uh, I always tell the story about being in Kosovo at a jam session and being asked to sit in. And there was a guy from uh, Montenegro playing one instrument. There was a guy from Turkey playing another instrument myself and then someone from Kosovo and so four countries four cultures four languages and the first tune that was called was the blues yeah so yeah it's a language yeah for sure that's awesome um so who introduced you to the blues was that were your parents or grandparents or anybody um any mentors or anything like that um well actually I really believe that the blues is um, in the ether mm -hmm. because it's, as uh, Willie Dixon said, the blues is the roots and everything else is the fruits. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I, th I think that um, 
you know, when I work with kids, I say, you know, what are some of the branches on the tree? Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm African-American. Um, my, my mother is of Nigerian heritage from Yoruba. Mm-hmm. And my father is Cuban, Ala, West Africa, also Yoruba. Okay. Um, but my, my grandmother, I grew up in an AME church, African Methodist Episcopal, and we split our time between AME and um, kind of like foot washing, Baptist, kind of Pentecostal okay. things. So I think that music is the roots of the blues. Mm-hmm. And so that whole thing is just a part of my cultural landscape. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of music. And, and I mean, it seems like a lot of sects of Christianity have a lot of music, but, um, it seems like the Southern, Southern side of Christianity definitely seems a lot, seems like the music side of it is a lot more important and fun. Um, like, I don't know. I grew up Catholic, you know, in like a small, mostly white town. And the songs were just all, you know, there was no real, like you didn't get, you don't go to church like excited about the songs because they weren't like bangers or anything, you know, like. But there was, there was one banger though, because I went to a white Catholic school and there was one banger um, on, on, on Eagle's Wings. See, well, that's like a, a more of a, a, a contemporary one, right? Yeah, okay. I don't know why, but I just really loved the <laughs> melody of that. Okay, um, yeah. But so, but maybe it's not really, I mean, a banger is Catholic. Songs, yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah, I just, I really hated going to church when I was a kid. But then, like, I imagine with when there's, when music is more of a part of it, it's probably a little bit more digestible for a kid anyways, you know? I mean, to be honest, like, uh... Do you, would you like me to share an experience with you? Absolutely. Um, so my grandmother was very funny. AME is uh, African Methodist Episcopal. Mm-hmm. They tend to be a little more buttoned up when they okay. when they worship. My grandmother um, played organ and directed the choir. And so musical expression was always um, encouraged. But she really loved going to the Pentecostal at night so we do sunday service during the day um go home after church have dinner take a nap and then get in the car and drive down some dirt roads to uh, a service where it would just be music probably like upwards of 150 bpm oh wow yeah so real fast and it would just go Mm -hmm. for maybe honestly 30 minute runs 40 minutes and uh people would get the spirit it would just lift and lift and lift and some people would be overcome with the spirit and have to be dragged out by these people with white gloves ushers and um and then there'd be like a killer shouting sermon and then you know like so honestly like with my electronic music I'm sort of exploring the African American ecstatic tradition, okay. kind of from those experiences. So I tend to work in tempos above 150, 163 is my sweet spot. Okay, okay, <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like that you have like a specific, and it's 163. That's cool. It's 163. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's, I I grew up, you know, with religion kind of forced upon me. Um, and then I had my, my 
my college atheist period, but, um, sure. <laughs> you know, now I'm just I, a classic agnostic, but I think the closest thing to spiritual anything, any sort of experience that I've had that, that feels like I'm connected to something greater than myself has, is almost always been through music. Um, and that always just made me wonder like why the music at my church growing up was always so lame because <laughs> it didn't, it wasn't the stuff that was, you know, getting me into that. Like, but like, I never had an experience like what you just described, you know? Oh, I was scared shitless. Oh, like, really? I was like, I yeah, could see that being very kid, frightening. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a little like what? Because, um, it's funny. Um, yeah, there's, there's this book, um, where the author describes a similar experience as a child and laughing and getting slapped by their grandmother. <laughs> and, and, um, I read that book and I was like, oh my God, that's what happened to me. Like, yeah. I remember like. You know, we had to, like, keep it zipped up, but you're watching this thing go down. But, you know, I mean, I'm pro- it's probably not the conversation that you want to have, but I don't believe that all of the religious kind of... Uh, re- I don't believe all of the re- religions were always trying to lift people to a place oh. where they would their frequency would be lifted enough to start, like making decisions and right. feeling something. I totally agree like, with you. Yeah. In was, fact, I think a lot of it was repressive. Yeah. Repressive for right? sure. So, Control and stuff. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that is totally the, the, the conversation that I love to have. I don't know how much people come into a, a modular podcast want to listen to it, but also <laughs> if that's the way it goes, that's the way it goes. Cause I like, I like having just real flowing conversations. But in this regard with like, so was church the foundation going to these services? Was that the foundation of your interest in the participating in music as, as somebody who's going to be creative or was there, I'm sure it was some sort of blend or was there a particular artist you heard on the radio or were introduced to by a friend or anything like that? You know, it was just a part of life. Yeah. And I, and I played piano and I played flute. Um, and to be honest, I was a hellified point guard. Mm-hmm. And at that time, when I was in junior high school, my mom said to me, look, uh, you can't go pro. You're going to have to have both knees done before you're 30. Uh, this is the time to step away from these aggressive, like I was the only girl on my middle school soccer team. Uh-huh. And my mom was like, you, you, this isn't going to take you anywhere and you're just going to have injuries that, and so I need you to shift. So she made me play tennis and, um, tennis was super boring. Yeah. Um, I like the game, but mm-hmm. in terms of like having like the camaraderie, so I joined band and I played flute, uh, in band. And then my band director realized that I could play drums and he needed a snare drummer. And so I spent, uh, the rest of my time playing drums. So, but so, but music was just something that I did. That I did. Uh, yeah. Okay. So it's yeah. It's it's just like I know it's all. It's always there. It's like it seems like it's always in in your life. It's all. I I always try to mine from people when I have these conversations. Like if there is like a moment where a, a switch flipped on. Um, oh yeah, there was a moment. I love I love the moment stories. So what, can you okay, can you share that one? Yes. Um, piano was forced on me, but I mean, I'm grateful and I understand that it was a privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, but when 
the dude came in fourth grade to try to see if people wanted to join the band. He demoed multiple instruments. And he played... Star Wars dropped when I was in third grade. Uh-huh. The first one, uh-huh. A New Hope. Uh-huh. Which, you know, is not the first one. But right. anyway, um, <laughs> that's another conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he played the Star Wars theme song on the flute. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm playing the flute. Okay. Okay. That's it. Playing nice. The flute. And you had success with that? Yeah, no, the flute's great. Yeah. Do you still play? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Sometimes if I need to record something, yeah. Okay. Okay. So it was band kind of like you said a few minutes ago that um, you consider yourself as more of a composer writing for multiple instruments. Was was that starting in band? You know, is that where you started learning composition or you know, it had to been the foundation for reading music. But when did that transition happen? You know, I think band, because my whole, my favorite thing is writing for large ensembles. And okay. I think that working with large ensembles and being in the band was a big part of me getting an understanding of how the large ensemble operates. And mm-hmm. uh, I was in high school in Ohio and the Midwest has a long held tradition of, of really high end com- marching band competitions. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we marched in the in marching bands of America NBA and we were in the top 10 my high school. Um, so it was like a big deal. Yeah, like we we practiced a lot. Yeah, every day, um, after school till like seven o'clock, and on weekends, and then we go to competitions and we travel to other states. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems so. like that kind of thing, like really becomes your whole life. You know, when you're when you're a kid and you're involved in something like that at that level of competition and stuff, it really seems like it's kind of your your eating, sleeping, breathing that thing, which if you're into it, I'm sure it was great, you know? So did you enjoy that experience for the most part? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, there were challenges, but I have to say that my best friend from band camp, my first year as a, as a freshman is still one of my closest friends today. Oh, that's cool. So, you know, and, and, um, you know, that was, we're, they're almost 40 years out of high school. So there you go. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it was interesting because uh, our band director, he would have like people arrange like Shostakovich for our band. It was like going deep. You know, we weren't playing like In the Stone by Earth, Wind and Fire, like, uh-huh. you know, which is actually a very awesome song. We played it at football games, uh-huh. but but the competition, it was very kind of highbrow classical um, music. So the process of those rehearsals, I was absorbing not only um, not only like how to compose for the each instrument, but also conducting, which I do, okay. and that's my favorite thing to do. Okay, okay, very yeah. cool. All right, that's so cool. I'm curious because I I dated uh, I dated a girl who played harp and piano, but she was you know sight reading, classically trained, and I have a really good friend who plays piano who until just a few years ago pretty much only did you know played stuff that other people had played like he couldn't jam and my 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 ex girlfriend that I'm talking about never wanted to jam, um, and my friend that plays piano he still doesn't really listen to anything but classical music. I'm wondering in this kind of like how in depth and involved this was for you in high school, like 
did you did you also have room for what was going on at the time musically or were you kind of just in focused on like classical and, and deep composition stuff oh yeah i mean especially i lived in japan till up until just before high school mm-hmm. um and uh so in japan we would get these at the time it was about having the largest boom box uh-huh. <laughs> and it was, you know, it was very easy to access. And so I had a huge boombox with a double cassette, and um, it actually had a fader. That, oh, nice! So, that I could, uh-huh. so I could go between the two, and uh-huh. and um, and so I was really big on mixtapes. And very interestingly enough, when I lived in Japan, at the time they had a FEN radio, Far East Network, English-speaking radio for. I think the people in the Philippines and Korea and Japan all listened to FEN, uh-huh. and it was it was unformatted, okay. And so it would be like back in black, you know, followed by like you know, Kenny Rogers was rocking it at that point, you know, uh-huh. she uh-huh. believes in me, yeah, yeah, you know, uh-huh. followed by like the Gap Band, uh-huh. you know what I mean? So wow, like, so you were getting like all of it, like yeah. condensed. That's that's kind of cool. I mean, did you find yourself like? Did you, were you like into most of the stuff or would you kind of be like, oh, they're playing this kind of music. I'm going to wait until the next song. Or... No, no, I was really into most of the stuff. What's really funny, though, um, is that my mom, it's, she's like a like really southern black vibe. Like mm-hmm. when I listened to like rock and stuff, she was just like, Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. she wasn't, she wasn't trying to hear it. No, no. <laughs> uh, but. But I, but I would just check out, you know, I had a, a Walkman, but my parents didn't give me a Walkman. I was crushed, but it actually was rocking. It was a Sanyo uh-huh. and it had this button and you could flick the button and it had a microphone so that you could hear what was going on in the world around you and have a conversation without stopping your music or taking oh, your wow. headphones Oh, wow. Okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah, so when I realized that mine had like features that everyone who had the brand Walkman didn't have, I felt a little better about yeah, things. Yeah, <laughs> So, but um, I really loved 80s synth sounds. Okay. I think I was definitely probably like, like, I, I was in my own crew. I wasn't in a crew, but there was like people who were like the mods. So there was like mod night, at, you know. So I love that whole thing, Depeche, you know, that mm-hmm. that sound. So very very much into synths. But I also was also into like Parliament and synths, you know, okay. mothership kind of vibe too. Okay, it sounds like you were like just steeped in all types of music while you were forming as a musician too. So. It's, this is kind of all making sense because I think the first, I remember the first time I saw you like performing on the modular, I was like, I was blown away. I was like, holy shit, this is, this is really good. I could tell oh, that you thanks. like, you knew your stuff musician wise. Now this is all kind of like making sense and falling into place here. Um, I want to try something. I'm going to see if I can remember. Is it Nihongo Deska? Oh, hi. Hi. <laughs> that's, that's, that's about all I got. <laughs> I took, I took, uh, I took nine months of Japanese in, in community college, but I didn't have, like, I didn't practice outside of the classroom. I think I'd probably need to be like put in Japan to actually learn it. But, um, do you, do you speak like, are you, are you fluent in Japanese? 
I would say that I'm probably about 80% fluent. And oh, and so awesome. for, for, for the reason that, uh, that, like you, I don't practice it enough. Um, yeah. Before COVID, I, I sometimes play uh, with this Japanese pianist who's very big in Japan, mm-hmm. um, literally. Um, she her name is Chihiro Yamanaka. Okay. Uh, I I recorded with her and I we toured. She signed a Blue Note record, so we did like all the Blue Notes down the, oh, all the Japanese cool. islands and just before COVID. So um, I I found that a lot of my Japanese rhythm started to kind of come back, but okay. it was rusty. Yeah, yeah. It was rusty. <laughs> uh, I wish I would have like. In Spanish in high school or Japanese in community college, I wish I would have just put more effort into that. seems like such a great experience to be able to go to another country and get by, you know, in another language. But, yeah, I guess there's still time, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so I feel like we could go in so many directions. I just want to check the time because I want there's some stuff I want to make I sure know. that we get to. Let's um, do it. So... Let's see. I guess. So, do you start getting to hardware synths around, you know, like high school and stuff, or when do you get into synths? I know you liked synth music, but. Okay, so my brother, um, who you've probably. Where do you live? I live in Seattle. Okay. My brother lives in Portland. Um, so, my brother is 10 years younger than I am. Mm-hmm. Like, when I left to go to college, he was playing Legend of Zelda and eating Captain Crunch. Okay. <laughs> so, um, which I have to remind him of often. <laughs> um, but he was probably 16 years old when he started getting into hardware since and early modular. Oh, cool. All right. And um, he, I actually kind of didn't respect what he was doing because... Um, I thought that music was about real instruments. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I kind of gave him shit about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I that was what my experience around synths initially. And so what ended up happening was I started, I mean, and this is really in the last like five to seven years, um, I got a space set up in my own apartment and I started to do media composition gigs. Uh, and I also started to just record my own demos and write music using, uh, first I started with GarageBand mm-hmm. and, and then I worked my way up to um, Ableton. Okay. And it kind of took a minute. At the time, my, my, my paper situation was where I was like, I just couldn't afford Ableton and the push and the whole thing. Yeah, and yeah. Ableton Lite is is ridiculously like nothing yeah it's pretty limited (laughs) it doesn't really have anything so (laughs) so um i i started doing sound design for either theatrical performances or composition um uh like composition gigs and i i started looking for sounds that i could create that were pretty unique and i really loved working with midi and all the sound packages but then i started to get into hardware synths drum machines mpc and then i i got like a couple mogs <laughs> and 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 then i slowly started making my way into the eurorack world and i would say that it was a tool for me a tool that I used to create sounds 
for compositional projects, I did not identify as an electronic musician mm -hmm. until I started working uh, and doing a lot of stuff through COVID. Oh, really? Okay. Very interesting. Yeah, but it was something that I did on the side or, or because as a, as a, I, I tour a lot supporting people as a drummer uh -huh. and using a lot of people put their live shows on Ableton and generally it's the drummer that's triggering or running right. drummer or keyboard player. Yeah. So I always worked with some level of like, you know, someone's song's got 808 in it or, you know, I was always working with triggers or something like that, mm -hmm. but I didn't consider myself an electronic musician. Right. Right. You know, and that's a thing. Totally. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I think that a lot of people don't, I think there's a lot of black musicians, African-American musicians who are musicians who've used the devil out of electronics who are not considered electronic musicians mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and never maybe walked around like I'm an electronic musician. But meanwhile, they use like, you know, the mini moog. I'm like, you know, every record or something. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, so. There's there's definitely seems to be um, like just coming from like the rock side of things and, and like indie folk kind of, you know, I started with just acoustic guitar is what I played for years and years. Um, there's definitely like and like you said, you know, earlier, with like talking about your your brother initially or like those aren't real instruments. I feel like there is kind of um, I, th I think it's it's disappearing, but there's kind of this weird stigma about electronic like musical devices if you're coming from a certain place as a musician and I think maybe do you think that's kind of speaks to a little bit of what you're talking about or um, just kind of like not wanting to identify with something that you don't think is as valid as real instruments or something like that I don't know if, if that made any sense what I just said I you know I don't I'm not really sure exactly what it is. I, you know there was that book that came out with that pretty much cited ten thousand hours being a mm. level of mastery. Yeah, right. And um, I I believe especially because I've been a jazz musician for thirty some years working as a jazz musician, there's a level of intense study of a canon and learning rules before you get to the real freedom. Yeah. And so I think also too, and I'm not sure that it's completely wrong, you know, forgive me, I'm not putting you in this category, but right. but modular and synths are kind of like um, an expensive hobby totally. for a lot of people. Absolutely, yes, that's very and, true. And so I think that, um, you know, it's like, and I don't think there's a lot of people that are kind of known as really great musicians outside of the modular community that the world can think of who are modular musicians. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think the, that, the, or at least don't to, identify that way, like you said. Right. Like, you know, Trent Reznor comes to mind as somebody who's like a huge, but most people who listen to Nine Inch Nails don't know that what a, a modular synth is, you know? So, so I, I've seen you loving, because I'm thinking of Nine Inch Nails. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen you and I too have and love the Strega. Ah oh, man, it's so it's I love it. Yeah, it's like it's great with anything. Right? Yeah, you could pair it with anything. Yeah, you know, you don't even have to like run any big stuff. Just anything. Do you? Do you? I I find myself like I I really want to try controlling it with like the no controller stuff. I never use the oscillator. I pretty much oh. exclusively use it as an effects processor. 
and I just love that. I mean, I mean, I play it still. It's like a playable effect or something, but I'm always yeah. running stuff through it. But do you find that you're like composing with the oscillator on it? Not that I don't like yeah. the oscillator. I just haven't got around to it. Yeah, uh, I like the oscillator. I use it with the no control. And um, I did a piece a while back where I had the, the no control and the no coast and the strega and I had the um, I used uh, 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 I, I had the, the VCOs pitched in fourths a fourth apart uh-huh. um, the devil the devil's interval <laughs> and um, as they call it <laughs> um, in, in the Catholic Church um, I, I had a, like a fourth a minor fourth apart which was really cool because you know the 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 no coast can have like this really kind of woody smooth tone mm-hmm. to it um unless you get the dirty parts out of it um whereas the strega is just it's dirty yeah it's yeah for it's, sure it's real the dirty i find myself being more attracted to stuff like like since getting the strega i and I'm like been messing around with my friend's organelle. I like I can't stop nice. thinking about the Lyra Eight. Um, I'm just really interested in these kind of standalone synthesizers that you can kind of explore as one instrument. And I think I get overwhelmed with modules because I just have a lot of them, and I try to pare them down into one case. But I kind of like the idea of having something. This is the thing. You don't get to swap any of the parts out. Make it work. Um, mm-hmm. I'm feeling really attracted to that right now. Um, I don't know why I brought that up. Probably. No, <laughs> I, I, I like that too, honestly. And I also, what I like about taking something like the Strega, especially because it has such a very defined, clear kind of, and it can get out of control really quick. Mm-hmm. I like to find a way to get around that and i find that challenge to, to pull yeah. a different sound out of it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um I, I really like that a lot i'm i'm there with a few of my uh my key modules that i use right now uh the r bar is one of them the morphogene you know stuff like that and the 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 data bender from qubit those are all things that like Strega, it's very easy to just plug something into them. And like rings, they just sound a lot like themselves. But if you yeah. put in the time, you can get stuff that, you know, isn't as like as the signature sound, you know, is. Yeah. Like, um, Are you tracking volt per octave with the morphogene? To be honest, I don't really do any sequencing. I don't use oscillators lately. I mostly just take outside sounds i use a melodica a lot (laughs) um Mm -hmm. or i play a bass through stuff or i just um previously like i have i have a couple albums i made before modular that i like to sample and kind of reuse some of that material because i'm just i'm just really into using using different modules for effects processing and, and using control voltage to move that effects processing stuff around it's just kind of a phase i'm in right now yeah no that's Mm. awesome yeah. So no, I haven't done any volt per octave stuff with morphogene because I haven't really got out. I know it, eventually I'll get back into oscillators, but like right now I don't even I don't even have an oscillator in my my main case. I didn't either <laughs> for a while. I was mostly dealing with samplers because I build a lot of my samples. Um, uh huh. But I. But um, I'm working with a new uh, sequencer right now at that um 
feeds three oscillators at the same time, mm -hmm. or can feed up to three VCOs. So I, I put some VCOs back into a case as I'm starting to work with this sequencer. What's the sequencer? I can't say. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Is it um, somebody's design? I, I'm, I, I think I have a few guesses, but we'll talk about that maybe off. Off yeah, mic. it's, um, <laughs> I think, well, A, they're still working the bugs out, and mm -hmm. B, um, I think that the, because of the Chipocalypse, they may not be able to get it um, out as, as soon as they would like. Yeah. Um, yeah. And C, they just made me swear up and down I wouldn't say it. Oh, totally. Like, yeah. I, have, I have it covered in my case. I know. I have know. some things that I can't talk about too and I'm always wanting to shoot video and I have to like well should I cover it with tape or, or what <laughs> um yeah. all right so we're we're about we're a little over halfway okay. there and there there are two things that I definitely need to talk to you okay. about um I want to talk about uh the Willie May rock camp oh, for thanks. sure and the and the um the uh kickstarter that you're running before we get to that I want to end with that so it's freshest in people's minds okay. but before we get to that um I'm, maybe for me, for me, and for people who don't know, I, I only have a very um, limited knowledge of this side of subculture or pop culture. But I know you're very steeped in the Afrofuturism thing, and I was wondering if you could kind of give give us a rundown of what that is to you, and how and what you know how are, how are you how do you, how do you approach creating in that sub genre or is it a genre is it a like is it a cultural thing like i, I don't i don't really know so much yeah, about the, it. the answer is yes and uh, <laughs> 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 honestly in short afrofuturism is as afro afrofuturism does and uh -huh. um okay or if you spot it you got it I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it's interesting, too, because especially right now in New York, Afrofuturism is all the rage. All the institutions are trying to, like, expand their black repertory of, of presentation uh -huh. and beyond the, the, the standard canon. And um, mm -hmm. I am involved on a, a few levels. But one of the, one of the things that I think that makes music making unique from the African-American perspective is using um, music, instruments, expression uh, as a weapon uh, or as a tool for liberation, personal liberation mm -hmm. and also self-actualization. Because uh, quite frankly, when you deal with the situation and it's, I mean, Black people are not a monolith, you know. There, this is does not, you know. Right. But, you know, when you're dealing in a situation where perhaps one doesn't know for sure of one's past, or it's the future can be daunting, and so, mm -hmm. Afrofuturism is a way. Uh, Afrofuturistic expression is a way to speculate about the 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 blanks in the historical mm -hmm. record. Um, it's a way of creating. Um, it's a way of sort of very similar to the blues. It's healing. Mm -hmm. It makes a way out mm -hmm. of no way. Um, it, 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 uh, and for me, uh, 
Afrofuturism, I mean, at this point, you know, I'm a very self-assured 52-year-old person. So I, mm-hmm. I don't really need a lot of self-actualization. I'm, I'm uh-huh. actually actualized. Yeah. Um, very uh-huh. confident. I'm very clear on that. Uh, you know, and I, it took me a minute to get to this place, but I work with young people. And so mm-hmm. when I'm working with, you know, a young, a young person, a young person of color, BIPOC person, um, to have them think about their future is a very powerful thing, especially when statistically BIPOC youth are not, they have a lifespan that it's, that's shorter because of the mm-hmm. things that we all know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, then Google it. But um, so that for me, creating a program at Willie Mae Future Sounds, like Willie Mae Future Sounds, and uh, Willie Mae is uh, Big Mama Thornton. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, and we stand on the shoulders of the blues. So we're grounded in, in that tradition, but able to look forward. and. Afrofuturism does not necessarily mean uh, mothership connection. Uh, I I am a huge fan, and I went to early techno shows in Detroit, living in Ohio. We used to drive mm-hmm. up when I was in high school, so um, that's part of the reason why I use the the moniker Frey Frey daughter of Drexia. You know, I went mm-hmm. to Drexia shows. I was a part of the scene of, of that Detroit sound black techno. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's so Afrofuturism, the Drexian myth is under the sea, uh, or the Drexian mm-hmm. story is under the sea, and they end up on a on a on a star on a planet. But after eight albums, they tell that story. Yeah, right, but, right, um, yeah. So it can it can be wherever one really imagines, and it's it's really challenging, you know, be, to talk to people who who may not be of these cultures because often you don't understand unless you understand but right but it's it's very much about self-actualization and and cre- okay. creativity okay yeah and drexia is the place to start if you want to start steeping yourself in and getting to know that yeah. right like yeah did were they influenced by like sun Ra? i know sun Ra was getting into some weird space stuff too there like is there any connection there or it's interesting you know i'm not sure if they were influenced by sun Ra, but you know the you know that the the drexian the drexian story starts at the middle passage okay i don't know what does that what does that mean the middle passage is Basically, when they brought the enslaved Africans over, uh-huh. the Middle Passage was that area um, of the sea where if you made it without getting sick or thrown overboard because you were sick and not worthwhile because they were considered chattel, then you right. were kind of like one of the strong ones, technically. Uh-huh. Um, so okay. women who were having children or that they couldn't care for they would throw overboard and so the Drexian story begins with those people birthing the Drexian race under the sea 
I see. And, okay. Um, okay. You know, the middle passage was a thing that was going down with the that process of the slave trade in the 1600s, and mm -hmm. even though Drexia was releasing records in the 90s, their release dates are in the 1600s. If you look at like release at 16. Oh, wow. uh -huh, uh -huh. and so yeah so the thing is is that that's so what i love about the drexian myth is it actually reimagines one of the most horrible and like it's in the dna this type of pain and and mm -hmm, loss mm -hmm. and suffering it reimagines it and creates this beautiful place yeah so okay and like so that's like like taking taking power out of a terrible situation or you know take taking the power back in, in a way sure. or something like that sure. like um it's i always feel like it's i don't know i, I always like as you can t tell i'm like stammering and stuff i'm always i always want to make sure that i'm being sensitive and not asking stupid questions okay. and, and being disrespectful to you know you to can, something you like you said if it. you don't if you don't know you know yeah <laughs> I probably will have to edit a little bit. <laughs> um, so, okay. So out of this, out of this, um, the Drexian thing, I know like clipping has like, uh, like a, an album that is in the, the, in this universe. Like, um, so is it kind of like one of those things where you can just kind of pick it up and, and kind of, I think somebody was working on a comic book or something. I know. In, I have, in, in, I have one. Okay, yeah. cool. So it's like, it's kind of this open universe for people to jump in and, and kind of help build on. Is that, is that kind of the... Uh, I'm not sure that it is, the, to be honest. To, yeah. to be honest. Um, I'm not sure that it is. And for me, taking the name as I did for electronic performances really had, has to do more with paying homage to a, a specific experience that I have. Okay. Uh, uh -huh. So, and uh, so... But I'm, but I have like complete respect for the the canon that they built, and so that's that's where okay. that's from. Okay. Okay, I see. Okay, yeah, because. Uh, but I actually, honestly, I think I'm a little bit Drexian. I love the ocean, um, everything. Uh -huh. I, I live by the ocean. I live across the street. Uh -huh. I live on the beach. Um, I surf. Everything is blue. Everything. My whole world is, uh -huh. is uh -huh. very ocean oriented okay yeah. right on well thank you for I, I feel like I understand it a lot lot better and I, I've been looking forward to talking to you about this um, because my I, when I first was like made aware of of Drexia and stuff I was just like I'd never heard of it and I and then somebody was kind of telling me about it but it's you can't tell somebody about the whole thing in 10 minutes you know so somebody kind of gave me an elevator pitch and I was like this sounds really, really interesting, but I still didn't fully understand it, you know? Also, I mean, to be honest, um, I I am very much, because an educator as much as I am a performer, and um, mm -hmm. I work with young, I've, I've worked with young people since the early 90s. It's always been a part of what I do. And mm -hmm. like you, whenever I deal with, with a group of young people, I'll wear a, a compelling t-shirt that might have <laughs> a message. and. If they ask me why or what, I'm the shirt is successful. And so actually being Frey Frey daughter of Drexia allows pe me to answer the question, what does that mean? 
And yeah, and I yeah, believe totally. that it should be talked about. And I, I love this exchange. And it, it's not only music that I love, it's music that I experienced. And, you know, we drove, I mean, my friend had a VW um, bug bus that the only way you could start it was to pop the clutch. Like, like, uh-huh. like Daniel on the, on the uh, karate kid, when he picked up his girlfriend <laughs> and his mom, they, he had to push the car. We, push had to, it. Yeah. we were in parking lots of shows in Detroit, pushing the car and jumping in and popping the clutch. <laughs> and uh, I don't even know, like we were underage drinking. Like it's, it was just yeah, all yeah. a hot mess. Like thank, <laughs> thank God the, the universe took care of us and we survived it. And I'm a 52 year old actualized person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Um, okay. Well, you kind of mentioned that you've been doing, uh, education stuff for a long time. Um, how did you get into that? You said you've been doing it since the nineties. Was that something that you like went to college for? Or did you just start like volunteering somewhere or how did you get into education? Yeah, uh, so there were, mm, well, I have to say that my mom taught, my grandmother taught, my aunt taught. So I come from a line of teachers. It was sort of like, Okay. If you're a black woman, that was like one of the possible gigs at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I have that in my blood. But uh, when I got out of college and started working full time as a musician, I, I was hustling gigs. And I was able to get daytime gigs playing assemblies and um, assemblies around a theme and presenting to young people through an organization oh, cool. called Young People's Audiences. And Young People's Audiences is in multiple states. So I just ended up getting more and more gigs with them. And it was really great because they paid wonderfully. They covered transportation costs. And so in addition to running to my jazz gigs or whatever, I could run and you know make a cool 200, 250, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like in the daytime. So, uh-huh. and, and it was just so much fun, like playing in assembly. Like, I don't know how you grew up or where you grew up, but for us, like an assembly was like a very special thing and we would get hype and, and it was like yeah. amazing. So in order to, to become that person that got to create assemblies was like some, it is so much fun. For That's me. awesome. Yeah. yeah, that is really cool. That's so cool. And so that led to getting into, um, Willie May rock camp. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much, okay. yeah. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that? What what Willie May Rock Camp is and so, everything? So uh, maybe like 17, 18 years ago, uh, a bunch of women in Portland, Oregon decided to create a rock camp, and it was the first one. And then one year mm-hmm. later, a bunch of us did the same thing in New York. So Willie May Rock Camp is named after Willie May Big Mama Thornton, the blues singer mm-hmm. who... Um, sang Hound Dog before Elvis. Ball and Chain was her song um, that, that Janis Joplin did. And there's, there's a few other pieces that uh, really were her pieces. Anyway, um, and she was acknowledged eventually for, you know, for mm-hmm. this stuff. Yeah. Um, but not to the level that she should have been. But, no, but that's right, another exactly. podcast. Yeah. So, uh, but the, the camp was named after her and the idea was to use music to empower girls and gender expansive youth. And the student, the model at the time of the rock camp was to have one week. And in one week, this is the thing. I, I went, 
I studied music and I didn't believe that this was going to happen. In one week, kids who never played an instrument before got some lessons, learned about social justice. They were put in a band. They came up with a band name. They rehearsed. They wrote a song. They made merch. They were uh, silk screening shirts of their their logo and their band name. And by uh-huh. the seventh day, they were playing in a New York City rock club in front of a that is so cool. And, you know, the thing is, is that uh, a lot of things happen. Um, like I saw this one band because I was band coach. I saw this one band where the, the, the young lady couldn't had no facility on the bass. But she rocked mm-hmm. the devil out of the E string. Bomb, bomb, bomb. And the band and the drums. And then the keys were like. And they put together the most rocking. And because it stayed on one chord. It never had any release, so it was just pure tension. Uh-huh. And um, uh-huh. it was uh-huh. the most rocking song. And I was like, I can't even believe this is happening. So I was forever shifted by this rock camp because suddenly my whole, like, you must spend 10,000 hours in studying the canon and learning the rules training really w- was put out the window by Willie May. So I went on tour and continued with my world and I did teaching artist work and workshops for Willie Mae through the years. Um, Two years ago, they asked me to come back to Willie Mae and consider stepping into the executive director role. I said no because I was touring like crazy. Uh, A -hmm. year and change ago, they came back and then they said, and you can do something different. I wasn't interested in in coaching a rock camp. So I wrote Uh the Willie Mae Future Sounds curriculum which uh, is, first of all, the, the problem that, or the challenge that we're identifying that we want to meet with our programming is to try, there's, there's abysmal numbers of girls and gender expansive people of color in STEAM and STEM professions. Uh, the numbers are, mm-hmm. ri- are like ridiculously low. So we have a through line. Everybody knows music and math are connected. But we're actually showing the physics behind creating an effects module. And the students, yes. So we're drawing That's an cool. absolute through line between math and music. And our students, hopefully, will. we're also building mentorships with women of color uh, who are in STEAM fields. So that they actually, because representation is inspiration. So mm-hmm. we're, we're, mm-hmm. we have the curriculum, we have the interaction, and then uh, we have a space now. And Willie May never had a space. They would just rent when it was a rock camp. And we have a year-round program now. And um, oh, wow. we served 300 um, girls over COVID because we expanded our programming to be about using music as a way to start a conversation around self-care which young people really needed because they were very traumatized by the shifts that they had to experience as a result of totally. COVID. yeah so uh yeah and everything that went on during COVID. exactly yeah sure. yeah because uh we had an art share for brianna taylor's birthday and you know these are all kids mm-hmm. who were talking and feeling you know and then george floyd and i mean and it just mm-hmm. kept and it just keeps going but but to be home and at that time, it was a lot of shifts. So not only are we teaching, we're using music technology as a way to empower young people to potentially either become musical engineers or electrical engineers, um, 
uh, we're normalizing self-care in creative spaces and our students keep gratitude lists. They know the frequency of gratitude. They know how to shift uh-huh. their frequency and curate their vibe. And so wow. it's, it's been a, I mean, COVID was a tricky year because we had to be a hundred percent online. It's still a little tricky, but now that we have the space open and we're going to do some limited in person and we're starting to get support, we've got amazing synths set up in the space. We've got computers. We'll be teaching DAWs. Um, students will be creating um, installations. Are you familiar with David Tudor, The Rainforest? That sounds familiar. Yeah, so it's kind of like, uh, it's sort of like a sound design installation that where, and so we're doing a rainforest curricular project where the students are gonna study environmental justice and then create their own installation that will be somewhere it it could look like a mobile mobile like hanging from the ceiling but also reacts to sound maybe it'll have a and so the students are going to actually recreate the space as a rainforest experience with sound and sculpture and and visual images that is so cool this is like i've been i'll be honest with you i've been feeling really really down lately because of the you know climate stuff and just and just basically kind of losing faith in humanity of like no one's doing anything um and you're making me feel so much better to hear that you're out there doing this with the youth i'm just thinking about like how cool how cool adults that you're like making right now you're like you know like if i had if i had these skills if I had gone, you know, had some something like this as a, as a developing youth or people that I knew, you know, like how much, you know, better off I would be just kind of like, especially with the self care thing and the gratitude thing and stuff. This is all stuff that I'm trying to hammer in my head in my late thirties, you know? Um, but you're catching people at an age where like this stuff will imprint on their being. They won't have, you know, it's not stuff that they're going to try to hammer into this already existing you know thing and i just i'm I'm, i feel very i'm like i feel good right now after you telling me all this so thank you for that (laughs) this is really cool i'm very excited about this well thank you um and you're so you're right now you're you're running a kickstarter it's a to help fund me oh it is okay it'll go fund me okay and and when does that end uh when we when we fulfill the goal um we're hoping Okay, so it's not a it's it's not a time sensitive thing. It's a goal. No, it, thing. Uh, that's why we chose GoFundMe because it's not time boxed. Um, but okay, we we are fifty percent of the way there, and we we okay. would like to meet the goal by the end of September. Uh, we'll we'll see, and uh, and we're grateful for all the support. It's been really wonderful. So many synth people have stepped forward to support in so many ways. Um, I hate mm-hmm. to just call people out and mention names, but maybe some of the no, people that it. we know, like one of the longest, John Wells has been a great supporter. Travarsi has been a wonderful supporter. Um, Todd Barton, like, um, was like, mm-hmm. uh, has has st- donated from the beginning of my tenure as executive director and actually went through his modules and was like, I don't use these, take them, you know? So, I mean, 
Gotta love that. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and so people can, so people can donate through the GoFundMe or are you open to accepting gear like Todd gave you? Like if, if people are out there want to send any sort of gear for the camp, is there, is there anything in particular you're looking for? Or yeah, anything? I mean, we're, we're, we're looking for it all. We have, um, we have some empty cases that, that could get filled up. Uh, we're, we're teaching modular. We have an MPC. Um, we have a couple of Zoom H4s. Uh, I'm sorry, H8s. Okay. We have we have uh, some iPads, and we have some computers. And uh, so we're working on uh, trying to have different stations where the they'll, the students will learn a concept. The curriculum is divided mm-hmm. into four parts. They'll learn a concept. They'll have a master class. They'll have an opportunity to create their own version with the concept and uh and then um i move on to the next concept so 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 maybe some kid is like i'm not really into modular but i really love the npc so we'll Mm -hmm. let that happen so yeah that's so cool to give young people like the chance to kind of just see what this stuff's all about is so is so cool and um yeah, hopefully I, I'm, I've been thinking about I, I was going to throw an event in, in September um, here in my in my neighborhood um, to try to introduce like my neighborhood to the synth community here. And uh, my neighborhood is, is a pretty is an underprivileged neighborhood for as far as Seattle goes. Um, and I'm something I've been thinking about. And we, we touched on it earlier of how expensive this stuff can be. There are way like I've I've been thinking about trying to develop like a presentation of all the different ways you can get into it on the cheap and find ways to make it happen because I think a lot of people might look you know they might see a price tag and then just say I can't do that. Yeah, I used to um, you know? teach at in the Bronx at a uh, alternative to incarceration program, and I oh, cool. would take my grandmother or my defam. And the kids would really key in and really listen mm-hmm. and, and focus as they were, you know, tweaking the dials. And the moment that someone was like, yo, miss, how much is this? I was like, oh, shit. Like, I yeah. just did this. I just inspired this kid with something that... So I made a rule for myself that I wasn't going to take anything into a teaching situation that a young person couldn't buy with a summer job or with money that my, their grandmother gave them for their birthday. And that yeah, put me, yeah. um, uh, you know, with certain hardware synths, certain effects, um, pedals, and actually AE, Tangible Waves, big shout out, Tangible Waves. Their yeah. stuff is great. Robert's been great. Karsten's been great. They've sent us some stuff. I've, I've used their stuff for my own work. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, so there are, and it's super affordable. I mean, considering, mm-hmm. considering. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm thinking of that stuff, the, you know, the pocket operator stuff, and even, you know, all the different freeways, you know, like you can get into it if you have a computer, you can get into it with VCV um, rack, VCV yeah. rack and stuff like that. We um, use VCV so, yeah. rack. What we did was we built a basic um, voice, voices. Okay. Well, you know, basic, like, you know, VCO filter whatever mm-hmm. and um, we're we're in the process of working with a teaching artist to make short videos 
okay. that the students can access. Very cool. Yeah. Do you know Alyssa Derubis? Um, she's on our staff. Oh, okay. I was going to say, like, <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> that, that is awesome. <laughs> she, um, yeah, um, we hired her. Oh. She, uh, yeah, she cool. does, um, she does a part, she does education. She does, um, she's a development associate. And she also does uh, corporate partnerships. Okay. And she is an amazing, amazing, amazing person and has this ridiculous, vast knowledge and is so humble with mm -hmm. the amount of knowledge and experience. Alyssa taught with Ocos at a women's prison. Yeah. And got them, because you can't take a cell phone in a prison. <laughs> they were letting Alyssa take take no coasts into into a prison and had them all patching. That's, and yeah. And like understanding synthesis, you know, yeah, she's the bomb. Yeah. So but, yeah well, when I, you, I, when I you mentioned her. that you were, you know, the, the, um, the alternative uh, to incarceration thing. That's what I immediately thought of because I think she was in the first 20 episodes of Podmod a long time ago when we talked about that. So, yeah, that's so, I'm so glad that you got hooked up with her. Um, yeah. More and more people keep popping into my head, but I think that's something we can talk about off air. I don't think the, the, the listener wants me to hear, wants to hear me sit here and do you know them? Do you know them? <laughs> um, but we're, we're rounding uh, around and around an hour here and I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I want to make sure that we have been able to cover everything that you wanted to cover. So is there anything else that you need to scream from the modular mountaintops? Oh my God. I, first of all, I'm going to have to spend the next 10 minutes imagining a modular mountaintop. <laughs> um, I just, I mean, honestly, if, if I had to plug Willie Mae, I would just say that the donations are actually an opportunity to make change. Mm -hmm. And it, it's not just to like throw some money around. It's, it's an opportunity to make change. And I, and, and I think people are kind of starting to kind of figure things out. You know, I mean, I'm sort of like, hey, if you turned your square black on Instagram. Right. Um, there are some steps that you can take to continue that process. And this is really in that path. So, mm -hmm. but, um, otherwise from the modular mountaintop, uh, I don't know, just, uh, keep tweaking shit. <laughs> okay. And final question. Do you, if you have time, um, this is something that you could do after we're done talking. Um, do you want to do a patch challenge? Oh yeah, I could do that. Um, oh, I just thought of something. What's up? I, uh, we, we're starting in our space. We have a 1,500 square foot space. It's a beautiful modular studio space. It's, got, it's real open. It's got lights. It's, it's amazing. We're starting um, a black sound salon. It's a place for black experimentalism through technology and allies. Oh, cool. And um, so uh, there's Chaka Benson has the black patchers that are in um, Philly. And so um, we're connected with them. They've done some stuff for Willie Mae. Um, so we're also, we have sort of like a modular group called the Black Panther Party. Okay. So, I love uh, that. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to so write that down. I want to reach out to them and see if they want to chat too. Yeah. Shaka Benson. So. Awesome. So, yeah. So we're starting to do small events in our space and yeah. I'm so excited, um, and I can't wait to uh, to see what y'all do. Um, I'm going to have you come visit. 
I was, I'm so bummed we missed each other by, was it yeah. at one day? I think it was. We yeah. missed each other by one day. I was, yeah, I was very, very bummed out about that. Um, all right. Okay, patch challenge. So yeah, let's get a, okay, this, I, I, I'm going to generate some words on my phone here. Okay. Um, and sometimes it takes a minute. Hmm. Bizonal dove? What does that mean? I don't know. How do you spell bizonal? Oh, like two do- like two like, zones? Yeah. Is that cool? I don't know. Bi- yeah, I'll, I'll work with that. Bizonal dove. Yeah, okay. I got that. I, could, I already I could, have an idea. I love, I love that. That's happened sometimes. I say it and people are like, hey, I already know what I want to do with that. Um, um, cool. Well, thank you so, so much for your time. I'm so happy that we finally got to do this and you have a open invitation. Anytime you guys have anything new coming up or want to promote something, let me know. We'll have you back on. We can help pr- spread the word as much as possible. It's true. Sometimes when I would end up on other streams and I would think, oh man, I hope this guy doesn't think like I'm totally blowing off his stream. Like it just like wasn't in my thing and then this other thing would come up and I'd be like on it and Mm -hmm. um but I do believe as my grandmother would say all things are in divine order Mm -hmm. and um I'm grateful for our time and I'm grateful for this opportunity thank you all right let's check out Frey Frey's Bizonal Dove
All right, that's our show. Thank you so much to LaFray for coming on. I would like to thank you for coming back to listen. And if this is your first time here, well, then welcome. Um, thank you to Patchworks. Please visit them online at patchworks.com. Thank you to Needham Woodworks. After Later Audio. I know I started teasing some big stuff coming from After Later Audio a while ago, but I promise you that that is coming to a head this month. Big announcements. Keep an eye out on a, on a, the After Later Audio socials. I'm also going to be making a big announcement on September 20th. Just lots of big stuff coming this, this month. Um, this track is from Project 32, a.k.a. Steven. What's up, Steven? Steven works at Patchworks. Look at this. Synergy is what they call it. I, uh, I think Seattle is going to be one of the, uh, the, the biggest scenes in the world if, if we haven't already. I think we're starting to establish ourselves as such. But uh, why, why, why talk about things as separate? This is a worldwide community, and I'm so grateful to be a part of it. If you would like to help keep the LEDs blinking over here at Podular Modcast, please visit patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast. If you would like to give me some suggestions on what I could offer as some bonus material, I would love to hear that. Um, I think that's about all I got for this outro. Check out the Basement State Volume 1 um, EP. That's what this track is from. Link in the show description. Don't forget about the Left Coast Lights thing happening, I think, this weekend, if you're listening to this. This is, I think, the first time... You can't see this. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I am... Uh, I'm doing this. I'm talking right now, but I'm, I'm bobbing my head to the beat. And I didn't realize I was doing it. And then once I did, I figured I'd tell you about it. This is how jamming this track is. Does anybody even listen this far into the show? I mean, like, the meat of it's done. The patch challenge is done. The interview's done. If you're listening right now, send me a message and be like hey i heard what you were talking about that'd be a kind of fun little like <laughs> oh you know what you could do you could comment on this episode's post just for no like let's just what's a funny word we could write um that when people see it they'd be like why are all these people writing this word the first one that came into my head is spaghetti i let's just like if you listen to this far Go on to Instagram right now and just say, all caps, no punctuation, just all caps, spaghetti. And people are going to, and, and then when people ask what it's about, say, if you don't know, you don't know. Let's never tell them. Thank you for coming back to Podular Modcast. I'm Tim Held. I love doing this. Over three and a half years. No end in sight. Until next week. <laughs>